Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to season two, episode 18 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? It is one of the most exciting days of the Scottish rugby calendar. The team is out for our first fixture in the Six Nations. I'm David and I'm joined here by Matt. How are you, pal? I'm good, mate. Nice to be back. Full, full contingent. It Miss, is. We've missed a, you guys. We've had a couple of weeks off and um, Alan over there is looking all right. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Tough day, but... Back, back with the boys. <laughs> it is great to be back with the boys, and um, I think we should probably start off with a little bit of an apology for the last couple of weeks where we've um, failed to get a pod out. We managed to get you that Mark Bennett interview out a couple of weeks ago, and then last week we just had a bit of a tough time with people being all over the world. Matt, you were at another anime conference, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> You were, I was at an anime conference and I'm really weird. <laughs> well, it's great to get that on the record. I'm very happy about that. No, I was skiing and it was class. Sounds very good. Great oh, cover up. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure if you've seen on Twitter, but we've got an amazing guest for you guys today. Scotland legend Sean Lamont is going to be joining us to uh, chew over the, uh, the Scotland squad announcement today, which is Man, exciting. I, th- I thought he was just talking about his career his time at Sheffield Hallam that's what the fans <laughs> want to know right that's what I want to know <laughs> that is what you want to know. he's your favourite ever Scotland player isn't he he is categorically my number one Scotland rugby player of all time I'm, I'm so nervous I'm not sure if I'm even going to be able to ask him a question <laughs> I mean, go a week, week at the knees yeah, and talking to him <laughs> Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. Um, thanks a lot for joining us, obviously, on iTunes or on Acast. And the Twitter has been going mad today off the back of the announcement. That is at Thistle Rugby Pod. And the Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, has just tipped over 600 followers, lads. We're getting Whoa. there. Boom. That is massive. So um, that's huge influence, I reckon. <laughs> um, but um, to talk about influence, what we want is 
more and if you guys can leave us reviews five stars um, and ratings on the iTunes app that really helps us gets us up the rankings gets our name out there how about this one from Matt fill in the Kiwis Sprot it's a five star review he says it's a great podcast for keeping up to date with all the goings on in Scottish rugby delivered by presenters that range from chirpy and upbeat to downright melancholic as an exile, you get a dose of deja vu every time the boys mention a night out at a George Street establishment, and there are muted and occasional references to the Edinburgh private school rugby circuit and the previous careers of the presenters. What is not to love? I've had a poor career on the old schoolboy rugby circuit and a poor <laughs> career on George Street. So. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> There's been many a career ruined on George Street, I think. <laughs> um, nice to be described as... Chirpy, I'm assuming he's referring to me when he makes that statement. I think so. I'm yeah. notoriously melancholic <laughs> on the part. <laughs> um, right, so obviously the Gregor Townsend announced his Six Nations squad, and we're going to get into that in way, way more detail after we've spoken to Sean. But lads, any initial sort of top-line thoughts? I like it. I think it's pretty much the best we could have hoped for. Uh, I think the major surprise is Chris Harris at 13, Hugh Jones at 12. But what we're hearing is that is an injury thing rather than selection. Um but I'm quite excited by Harris. He's got... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. I think um, in the forwards, we all know issues up front, but I want to see what Cornell can do. This could be a make or break Six Nations for him, I think. Mm. Especially with sort of Ryan Wilson coming back from injury. If he makes a big statement on Saturday, yeah. kind of nail down that spot and be the, be the Strauss we've always wanted him to be. Be the Strauss <laughs> we've always wanted him to be. And you must have been personally delighted that Dent Wheezy didn't make the, uh, the squad. Yeah, I personally put in a call to Gregor Townsend saying that Dent Weezy was not up to scratch. Yeah. He said, yeah. A, who is Dent Weezy? B, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Gregor is a, you know a, no, a known listener of the pod. Yeah, and you know what? Dent Weezy's been playing well, but personal issues run deep. So <laughs> Exactly, he can't play. Um, right, oh, before we have a quick chat with, um, with Sean, should we have a quick canter through a little bits of news that have come out? Over the last few days, Matt Scott, currently at Gloucester, he's going to be let go at the end of the year, though. There's some talk of him coming back to Edinburgh. Do you think that's a good move? It would be a good move, I think. Uh, the talk has come mainly from our Twitter source, which I think is, is fair enough. That's a very reputable source. Although, um, you've been doing some good digging and looking at his LinkedIn, which is quite <laughs> odd. Which, which, which <laughs> might, but that might put paid to the idea of him moving back to Edinburgh. Yeah, he's... Taking on a what? M- Part time MBA at the University of West Gloucestershire or something of that um, ilk. Wow. So whether that is a you can do it at home MBA or you need to be in the West Country MBA, mm. we will find out because obviously he's got options: Bristol, Bath. Well, there you go. Maybe he's going to Bristol's. Bristol's. Yeah. Um, I just talks about the lengths we go to to get that rugby news creeping scotland rugby players on their linkedin did you actually click on his linkedin it genuinely came <laughs> up in my news feed i actually the did same it. thing did happen to me the day afterwards so i do believe you you know i was i was bored and i was scrolling through quite a substantial <laughs> amount of shit on my news feed but it just popped up and he's, he's trying a nice little message about how he's going to do some advanced learning good for him. very good another name linked to edinburgh Sachino. another possibility matt what do you reckon yeah, I'm not sure where it was reported. Rugby paper? I something? think it was in the rugby paper, yeah. I think that would be a really good signing. He's been really impressive for Newcastle in the past couple of seasons. Yep. Um, quite kind of squat figure, came up from the championship, but really skillful, direct runner, knows what he's doing. Although it seems as if Bath might be in the running as well, and it might make more sense financially for him to, to stay there, stay in the Prem. 
Yep, fair enough. Um, other news, not strictly on topic, but Murrayfield have put in a bid to be the home of Scottish football from 2020. Quite a nice little promo vid. It was a nice promo vid. Someone in the SOU marketing department is earning their bank for that little number. Somebody got a drone for Christmas. They're like, lads, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a drone idea. Yeah. But talking about the SOU marketing and PR department, can we chat about Nathan Fowles and him, his name uh, getting put on yeah, the team we sheet? Haven't yeah, we haven't about talked about this yet, have we? On yeah. the squad at all. So this is obviously the, the news of the original squad announcement a couple of weeks ago, which we weren't able to, to chat about on a pod. And the chat that Velikot was approached and turned it down. So they just slid in Nathan Fowles right at the end where Velikot probably was sitting on like the infographic. There's only two possibilities. Number one, they asked Velikot 10 minutes before the announcement (laughs) and didn't have time to shift Fowles' name up or some intern at the SOU has had an absolute shock <laughs> and just hasn't got the memo about alphabetical and has been asked to make that change. <laughs> but yeah, Velikot looks like he's not in the England squad. He's in the, but he's in the wider sort of yeah. He's unannounced training squad that Eddie um, Jones has got. <laughs> yeah. Although, t- to be honest, you know, I, I do think Velikot's a good player, but of all the positions, nine's not one I'm incredibly worried about. I think when he played under 20s, George Horn started ahead yeah, of him. Yeah, exactly. And actually got Barreto coming through, who looks like a good player. We've still got Price, Laidlaw, Hidalgo Klein. It, it's an area that we're not... Sc- Sean Kennedy as well. Sean Kennedy as well. And we've got well. another um, Gloucester scrum half in the under 20s. He's on the bench this weekend, Yeah, isn't he's he? called... Uh, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie, Charlie Chaplin. That's not his actual name, is it? Charlie no. Chalmers. No. <laughs> It's, it does sound like Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. I think it is Chaplin, isn't it? No, I think it's Callum Chaplin. Yeah, it's that's like, what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, you know, he's, he's we on did, the bench did, for, against uh, Wales. Didn't want Velikot anyway. Yeah. So well, the new and luck, improved lost a version. Mm. Good luck not getting into the England squad, mate. Um, <laughs> what else has <laughs> what else has been going on? Summer tour has uh, been announced. USA and Canada. And Argentina. And Argentina. That's a strong summer tour. It's a great from fun. From a yeah, from a fun perspective. Maybe not from a rugby testing perspective. Great, su- great supporters tour. Yeah. We if really any good. sponsors want to fund me, this is good. Uh, or yeah. both, Just all, you. All, all, all of us. <laughs> Just you, solo tour. You've um, you played rugby in Canada once before, didn't you, um, Alan? I did. Um, a lot of great <laughs> games. Played Canada twenties. Lost one hundred and thirty-two nil. <laughs> Captain Live on camera. You? All Flower of Scotland was played. They played all four verses. Didn't know there was four. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be quiet for the last two. There is video evidence of you playing that match as well. We could share it on Twitter. Let's put it on the Twitter, yeah. Yeah, of you sort of Ow. stepping out of the line on purpose, missing a tackle, blaming it on a poor fresher. We don't have to show it. <laughs> we could show it. Um, let's quickly move on. Other things. John Hardy made a little bit of a comeback for Hoyk at the yeah. weekend. Good to see him back. Hopefully he'll be... Back, able to play for Edinburgh, I think start of February is mm. when his three-month ban finishes. It's great to have someone like that available during the Six Nations. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for Edinburgh, who um, will still have a, a schedule. And <laughs> one last thing that you wanted to raise, Alan, Jordan Lay, one-cap legend, has um, left Scottish rugby. I just like the fact that he basically came for the 1872 Cup and was just like, nah. I am <laughs> I am signing for Bristol next year. This is just not something I'm interested in. So yeah, Jordan Lee will sadly... He was in a short-term contract, but he has announced that he'll be signing for Bristol next year. I just remember two bits of news. 
Kevin Bryce has gone on loan to Yorkshire Carnegie for three yeah. months. And Callum Hunter-Hill He's is at Newcastle. For two weeks. For two weeks. But he was on the bench in their Anglo-Welsh match. Yeah. There were three, three Scottish locks in the Newcastle team. Glenn Young and Andrew Davidson starting. Yeah. And Callum Hunter-Hill on the bench. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. Maybe we should buy Newcastle instead of Worcester. Make a lot more sense. It's, it's closer, isn't it? It's Borders connection. We do have Scott Lawson, John Welsh, and yeah, Chris exactly. Harris all in Ali the... <laughs> and Ali Hogg. There you go. Get there it done. You well, those names who are all appearing in the Scotland team <laughs> at the weekend, um, we caught up with Sean Lamont um, a little bit earlier to chat about it. Here it is. Uh, and we're absolutely delighted to be joined on the line by Scotland legend Sean Lamont. Sean, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Leg- legend, I think, is pushing it. I think it's pushing it a bit. Oh, I don't know. 100, 100 plus caps, I think that gets you legendary status. No, I'll take it. I'll take it then. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, obviously, we're, we're chatting on the day of um, the first squad announcement for the Scotland-Wales game at the weekend. Um, what, what were your thoughts on, on the team? Well, it's, it's the strongest team as we can feel at the moment. Um, but obviously, we've got a few injuries, especially in that, that front row position. But the guys are all there. They're all talented players. And they've, they've been there before, generally speaking. Um, so yeah, it's, you never know. They're fresh faces. Uh, obviously, their chance to make a mark, and obviously it's a big one against Wales this weekend. But I think yeah, the importance of, of the importance of winning your first game of the tournament is is a big one. So there's a, a big task ahead of these guys, but I'm sure they're they're more than capable of doing it. Absolutely, I think I think the main sort of shock inclusion, if we can call it that, is um, is Chris Harris at outside centre, um, fairly untested at that international level. What what do you know about the guy? <laughs> to be honest, not a lot. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know very little. As I was going to say, I today and it was, a, it was a big surprise, obviously. But on that side of things, Gregor is a bloody clever coach. So he would have done the research and he would have made sure he's on form. And he wouldn't just be picking anybody or anybody that's not capable of, of filling that role. Obviously, it's swapping around the two centres with Hugh Joseph at 12, with I think with Aidan Barr suffering a bit of an injury. Um, so again, these, these things, you've got to give these guys a, a chance, these new faces. I mean, I was there once and uh, you never know, you, you've got to take a punt and the, a lot of time at the international, it's, it's kind of sink or swim, but you never know, you can have a, a whole new Scotland style out there. And, and coming up in, for the Wales match, what do you think is sort of going to be the most uh, important areas that are going to de- decide the result? Um, oh, it's always a big one. Uh, defence, I always have to go to defence for that with Scotland. If our defence is on its money game, um, the, the attacking threats we have are, are, are massive. Um, we've got some really talented players in attack and I can find a way to try line, especially in the last couple of years. We've started really running some good scores. You know, you start on the awesome internationals, we can, we can score now from anywhere. Um, but it's now a case of we can't have that blip that we had against England last year in any of the, ga- any of the games this year. And if you, if you swap that round, it, it changes. That, if you take away that England result last year, it's a completely different tournament in, in the standards. It's just everything got weighed on that. Which a poor defensive effort against England last year. Yeah, definitely. I think we all um, are trying to erase that game from our memories as much as we can. <laughs> um 
I mean, I think one thing on on, on Harris that that has been said is he, he's a guy that's played a bit a bit on the wing, and Hugh Jones is a is a super fast guy. And I think with with players like McGuigan and Hoggy and uh, and Seymour, do you think this is one of the the fastest sort of Scotland backlines that that you can remember? I uh, definitely so across the board. Yes, um, there are some real whippets there, uh, and that's the thing. And it kind of shows that like the, the threat Hoggy. Uh, imposes on the on the attacking line. It's got to be good for all the old players because if you if everybody's concentrating on him, and especially the new new guys in the centre, and they're not really underestimate him. And then these guys are the basic bit of burst. They can carve open a defence. That whole unknown factor can be a really good asset. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, it's an away game, Millennium Stadium. Scotland's haven't done too well at Millennium Stadium over the last sort of decade. Uh, do you want to just give us a bit of insight to it, say what what's it like to play at the Millennium Stadium? And then probably one of the most painful memories of my sort of rugby viewing career was that 2010 game when uh, I think we were up like 17 nil and sort of um, I think we ended up losing 31 24. But just Bit of um, bit of insight into what it's like playing playing Millennium Stadium would be absolutely great. It's a it's a really cool place to play. Like it's really enjoyable, but it's also really oppressive. It's um, capacity with the Welsh guys, and they're all singing the Sea of Red, and especially that roof shot. Everybody talks about it. It all goes about the roof, but it does make it a real cake tin. When it's only it's not a massive opening. But when it's open, it does really change the atmosphere. That it does make a huge difference. And let's say, yeah, a Welsh crowd behind them, all singing, all fine voices down in there. It can be as a as a opponent to Wales, it can be really uh, quite impressive. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's all that case of um, making sure the guys are on game, and it's one of those ones where you have almost got to try and ignore ignore what happens. And it, it does happen when you're in the flow of the game. Um, you tend to not always notice the crowd. It's the slow stoppages between uh, for scrums or penalties or whatever. That's when you can really hear the noise. And it's like anything though. You get a crowd behind a team. If Wales get a tail up, the crowd gets behind them, and the, you can feed off the energy of the home team. It makes a big difference, not just to the players, but I can swear it, it does sway the refs' decisions as well. Yeah, it sounds uh, terrifying. Um, <laughs> I think in the, in the hearts of um, of Scotland rugby fans, I think the image of you that sticks out most is that the, the two try scoring game against France in your your orange gloves with the uh, the, the the blonde tipped hair. Is that is that um, your sort of top six nations memory? Yeah, it's definitely one of the big ones. Like obviously, having to beat beaten France, uh, I think it was the first time in a while, and obviously getting a dot. It was more the fact that the first try I poached off the fours from the twenty-two meter out driving Boulder. <laughs> Decided to join two meters out from the, the line. And God knows how I got their hands on the ball, but it was one of those ones where I saw Mike Blair go into the, the ball, and I thought, right, well, the nine's gone in. If Mike's gone in, there's no chance of that ball coming out, so might as well add whatever weight I can. And God knows how, but the ball ended up in my hand and sort of went over in the, in the corner. It's just a bit of luck, as is with a lot of things at times, the right time, right place. Um, but it's all these games, I mean, all games you win for Scotland are. Are brilliant because losing is an absolute nightmare. It really does <laughs> crush your soul when you when you lose for your night for your national team. It's for me anyway. Um, and having had some 
horrendous losses as well, it really does just stick with you just as, just as much. Especially like against Wales, you mentioned it, that horrendous game, um, what you said, 2010, where Tom Evans broke his neck, Chris Patterson ruptured a kidney. Yeah. My brother, my brother did his medial. Um, I think we had Scott Lawson comes on to get yellow carded, and then we had Dan Parks in the backfield cramping up, and we had to kick off to to draw, kick off the win, and the way last team got the whole length after after being up, and it was the the movement dressing after was absolute shell shock. More for the fact that it was we lost so many players as well, and obviously with Tom having a career-ending injury with breaking his neck, it's it's one of these games that you yeah. could not predict it, could not write it. So it was actually Chris Patterson's hundredth cap as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that was one of the, the more odd games that I've played for. On a on a sort of lighter <clears throat> note, what's um what's been your best memories in a Scotland jersey? Um, I, I've not just got one. There's so many. Just uh, like you're kind of spoiled when you're a, a national player. You get to go see the world. You play rugby, which is fun as well. But the first cap always sticks with your mind. Um, but that first Scotland tour in 2004 to Australia, when I think we were out there for like four weeks, it was a, a proper old school tour where you had the midweek games and you played loads of rugby. I think it was one. Of, I think it was pretty much the last. Sort of old school tour you got with Scotland because it all started to change thereafter. Have you got any? But that, any whole, that whole experience was amazing. Have you got any stories from the old school tour of 2004? Um, nothing, nothing untoward. There's nothing at that point. No stupid things. But it's just it, like just be able to go out and spend time on well, it's Surfers Paradise, which is spent loads of time on the beach. It's just, also because it's my first time, just getting to know loads of the guys. And it's just one of those ones, you, you, you meet these guys and they stick with you throughout your whole career. Yeah. And yeah, there's nothing, there's no ridiculous stories or anything like that to go with it. It was just a long time out in Australia, which we found pretty damn good, even if you're just doing it as a social. But the fact you're there and getting my first caps, that's, that's the whole thing. It's it's such a great experience. It's was, it was the one to kick it off. So was it Matt Williams who gave you your first cap? Yes, it was. It was uh, back in the day. Because when he got so many pelters, I actually got on really well with him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you must have seen... You kind of do that when, you got, when he's giving you the first caps and the first number of starts. And so it was, it was always the... Despite all the pelters he got. And he did have some strange ideas and whatnot. But again, I can't hold eighth against him because he, he started it. You've uh, you've obviously seen quite a few sort of coaches, what sort of twelve years playing for Scotland. How's that sort of? How have you seen sort of the Scotland setup sort of develop over the last sort of twelve, thirteen years? Um, I think the biggest one, he has really, really caught up with the other nations in terms of rugby player and, and professionalism. I think, I think Scotland's always been a, a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to that sort of thing. But um, certainly in the last. Business since Mark Dodson took over, and there was stuff in place before him. But since then, like the commitment to rugby, the commitment to Glasgow Warriors and Edinburgh, and increasing the budgets for both those teams, and not just at the pro level, the stuff that's gone on the grassroots roots is is helping Scotland. You can start to see the 
fruition of it now. A lot of the players that are in this Scotland squad now have come through the academy system, which when I first started, there wasn't really a, a Glasgow or Edinburgh academy or an academy set up that was as professional as it is now. And all the guys, right, they get support from sort of under 16s. I mean, I, I'm working with under 16s this year as well. So they get support from all, from there, from under 16s all the way through. Um, and that's what you need. You need a good grassroots program to, to create um, an elite, that, that top pyramid. If you've got a really narrow base, then you're going to struggle to produce anything at the top end. So that's a big change, just the commitment to actual rugby rather than just the SOU as a business. That's really interesting. Uh, you mentioned sort of the strength and conditioning stuff there, and maybe just talk a bit more about the work that you've been doing with the, the academy setup. Uh, well, I'm just I'm just finding my feet myself. Um, I've always enjoyed the strength and conditioning, gym work, and stuff like that. As a as a player, I've always taken a great interest in it, and the fact that I've been able to get a chance to carry on and, and sort of give back to rugby, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm still finding my feet. There's still a lot of stuff I'm, I'm learning, but um, I've got a few ideas I want to start putting in. Just I think rugby needs to change a little, little bit in in what they're doing, as in. Um, what the way the game has evolved, I think it needs to be a lot more multifunctional movements and kind of what there is at the moment. And in off field stuff, not so much the, the technical stuff, but the as in the player preparation, not just the fitness side of things, but the, the gym stuff and trying to create more robust players is something I want to start doing because the way rugby's going, you look at the number of injuries that Scotland has at the moment, but it's it's going through that whole uh, the whole nature of rugby is there's a hell of a lot of injuries that just because guys are bigger, the game is faster, the impacts are bigger. You get a lot more, there's a lot more games in the season, so it all it all adds up. So if you can start creating more robust players, even from a younger age, and people talk about young guys and weights, but it's not necessarily that. It's getting the moving right, getting more functional movements rather than just the simple squat bench chin which is, they're not really transferable. They're good at getting strength, but they're not really transferable in the rugby pitch because you're never really in those positions unless you've got yourself in a bad, a terrible position to begin with. So they're not very functional. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's good that you're getting, the, um, getting that knowledge into the youngsters of Scottish rugby. Hopefully we'll see better players coming out the, um, the other end. Um, back to a slightly sort of lighter note, we... We've asked a few of our, our followers on Twitter. We told them that you were coming on the pod and they had a few questions for you. So um, the first one was... Okay, this, this, this could be interesting. This could this be interesting. Should be, <laughs> don't, don't worry too much. Uh, the first one was, how much of your success do you put down to wearing gloves in uh, the early years of your career? Um, <laughs> not so much the gloves for the catching, but it's like, a, it's like trademark, like the blonde hair and the gloves. People notice that. And it was quite funny, to where I was dyeing my hair, well, pre-2007, everybody recognised me walking down the street in Edinburgh. Like, you'd get stopped and ask. As soon as I shaved, still went, as soon as I shaved my hair, and it went back to dark. <laughs> nobody recognised me. It was, it was quite funny. But again, that's the whole thing. It's that whole... Um, it's that big beacon. And when you're playing, that shockingly yellow hair. It's yellow, <laughs> sometimes it was. Because I did it all myself. But people notice that on the pitch, when you, especially when you've got a lot of guys that are dark hair or brunette. So I might not be doing anything different to when I was I didn't have blonde hair, but it kind of stuck out. 
And so that's the thing. Same with the gloves. They're like regularly buying beacon, beacons. you got to make sure you have a good game when you're doing that. It's the old uh, <laughs> flash boots, isn't it? There's no point in putting on your big bright boots and having an absolute shocker. Uh, <laughs> that's actually a bit more of a, a more detailed answer than I thought I was going to get from that. That's good. I didn't realise there was so <laughs> much thought behind that. <laughs> Amazing. What One of the other ones was, how did you get involved with the the, the famous Stade Francais calendar? Um, well, it was actually off the back of that 2006 French game. So it must have, in France, um, obviously a bigger game beating France. And I must have just got we on the radar to the, the Stade Francais owner at the time, the guy called Max Gazzini, who produced his calendar. And it was just one of those ones I got a phone call one day saying, do you want to do it? And I thought, oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It's one of the easiest things. I'd rather well, I'd take my clothes off and stand there than have to do like corporate speaking, right? <laughs> I, I, hate public speaking. I, hate, I absolutely hate public speaking at that time. But standing there naked is fine. It's, no, it's easy, easy. It's no brainer. <laughs> Fair enough. And it was just one of those weird ones because it, it was quite an iconic uh, calendar at the time. I thought the fact that it's the first Scots guy to get asked to do it. But yeah, why not? Yeah, f- fair enough. And um, the last one we asked all the all the uh, the guests on the pod. Who is the, across all the teams you've played for your whole career, who's the worst roommate you've ever had? Um, it's tough. God, anybody who snores, I was, I was never the deepest of sleeper, but you have somebody that's, any, any forward that snores is a nightmare. <laughs> Alan Jacobson? The biggest thing. Um, no, I, I don't think I actually roomed with him ever. No, he, he wasn't too bad with snoring, but it's, I can't, some guys snore horrendously. Um, I was quite lucky because when I was playing, when my brother and I played, especially in Scotland, we'd always room together. And uh-huh. the same with a lot of places now. Like you get to know a certain guy, and you normally just your team manager will just tear you guys up. Um, like I said, when I was playing, I used to always room with Hoggy just because it was dead easy. And we got on well together. We changed changed beside each other and changed the room, and you just get to know each other. And it was one of those ones you just get paired together, but. Anybody that snored is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Fair enough. And one, one final one. What is your prediction for the, the game on Saturday? Um, I'm going to go... Every time everybody asks me this, I'm always going to say Scotland win. It needs to be. Because it's the first one of the tournament. Um, yeah, we've got a, a slightly injured squad, but the guys are going to do it. They know what's at stake. And it's, it's got to be important. And they've just got to keep backing up that autumn international form. So I'm going to go Scotland win. Good stuff. Let's hope that comes true. Sean, thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Bye, Jake. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Cheers. Mate. Cheers. Bye. So at least Sean is confident in our uh, chances on Saturday. That's good to hear. Yeah. it's. I don't know. I'm increasingly getting more worried. Are you? I've got that sort of feeling of dread as well. But before we let that consume us all, <laughs> shall we... Um, <laughs> Should we talk about the team then? Yes. Let's have a look at the Scotland squad that was announced by Gregor Townsend. Alan, I'll come to you first. Do you think this is a Scotland team that can go to Cardiff and beat Wales? Yes, they they can go and beat Wales. Um, I th- although my my one big worry at the moment is we're having a look at the weather and it looks like it's going to be heavy rain in Cardiff on Saturday. And um. that's not a team that I've got much confidence in under sort of, heavy rain conditions especially obviously if they keep the roof roof open at Millennium Stadium yeah ball players like Gordy Reid and John Welsh <laughs> <laughs> Gordy Reid and John Welsh 
like chucking it around a little bit. They don't. I mean, they're not uh, good at it, and I don't <laughs> want them to do any of it on Saturday. But as forwards go, they do sometimes like to mix Just it about. What liking it? Yeah, they like to do it. John Wells <laughs> likes to chip, but Gordy Reid gets in places he shouldn't be. <laughs> that is true, Matt. What do you think? Do you think this is the sort of squad that can go there and get a job done? I think it's the best team we could have selected with all the injuries. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy. To, actually, I never thought I'd say this. I'm happy to see Gordon Reid and John Welsh as the props. Oh, so happy. They could have put in Batty. And you know, some people on Twitter today saying they might chuck in McCallum um, for familiarity purposes with, with uh, McAnally. But, yeah, I just want those two props just be told, lit lads, you're there to scrum. Just hold it solid. You don't need to be dominant. Just give the back some sort of platform. Uh Good CG Priya in there as well, instead of yeah. Wilson. I like the look of the back back um back row and the back line, we all know what they can do. So let's do it. I mean we we don't really know what Chris Harris can do. <laughs> Sean yeah, Lamont, who is him. very much involved in the SRU, <coughs> doesn't know who he is. He's <laughs> got good stats in the Prem though. He always looks quite good in the view of I mean, I, highlights, I, I, which I, is what I watch. I watch yeah, I watch on. the highlights. I don't know too much. I saw Jamie Jamie Lyle from the BBC tweeting that he makes an average of 10 tackles a game and he's got the most offloads Off in the whole Premier And he's like this second year. or third in turnover. So. Yeah. So on, the, on that basis, that is a pretty decent 13. On paper, it looks good. But to be fair, until, the, until November, I had no idea he was Scottish. Are we happy, are we happy with... Another question in the sense of happy with Jones at 12? Um, I am happier with Jones at 12 and Harris at 13 than I am with Horn at 12. And Jones at thirteen. That's a nice way of putting it. In respect, yeah. and I think we've discussed this. Is I think we haven't seen Hugh Jones playing twelve in Scotland. He hasn't played done it for Scotland, Scotland, and he hasn't done it for Glasgow. Yeah. But when he was at Western Province, he spent the majority of his time at twelve when yeah. playing and in he centres. Was top try yeah. scorer in the Curry Cup, or certainly one of them, when he was playing at twelve this year when they went on to win it. Yeah, I, I'm very confident in his attack. I'm just a bit worried about the defence as a partnership with 12 and 13 because in quite a few matches, Hugh Jones has maybe been... And actually, since we've been playing for Glass... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about... Work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's go this season. His defense has been bad. Like He misses a lot of tackles, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so... You're saying to him, you can maybe excuse him and say he's settling into a new system, but now you've moved him to 12. If I was Wales, you know, you've got Hadley Park, Scott Williams, Reese Patchell, I'd be attacking that. No, I think that's fair. And especially with Scott Williams, who's obviously a really great sort of direct runner. Yeah. Probably we just aim for that outside shoulder. 
I think if you look at if you have like a spectrum of like att- attacking being your strength and defense being your strength, there is not one Scotland back who would be closer to defense than attack. <laughs> so, for example, if you have Dunbar on the team, you'd probably say he's got more defense in defense than he does in attack. attack. Yeah, even Maitland. I would say increasingly he's, now positionally he's positionally. very good in defense. And even to a point Lee Jones probably leans more towards the defensive side. Out of all those backs, people like McGuigan coming in, Harris, and obviously Hugh Jones, they are all stronger in attack than they are in defense. I mean we, we touched on it one I don't disagree with any of that. I think that's a good point. I think one thing we did touch on with Sean there is just the sheer pace across this back line and the trouble yeah. that that could cause. It seems to me with the team that Wales have named as well, like mainly Scarlet's back division who are playing this amazing brand of um, running rugby. And you've got, you know, Harris and Jones both quick enough to play on the wings, the back three we know about. And Finn and Ali Price are both really, really quick as well. Like in an open contest, it could be, it could be a really potent threat. Yeah, just hopefully it doesn't rain and screw it up for literally everybody, <laughs> especially myself because I'm you're gonna, you're going to the game. There, yeah. Just chuck that in there. Yeah, that was nice. Throw it in. That was quite good. Okay, well, let's have a look at this in another way. Who do you think is going to be the most important forward for that Scotland team? Matt, why don't you kick us off? Uh, looking at it now, it's hard to look past. I'm just going to say the front row as a whole, as a unit. Um, just if we can get at least parity in the scrum. And then beyond that, I look at Hamish Watson. I think that Hamish Watson played so well in the last Six Nations when we beat Wales, and that was from him just disrupting. You know, we know he's a very good carrier, but he didn't do so much of that, but he got so many turnovers. And I just remember the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones just sort of looking despairingly at the referee because they just couldn't deal with his ability at the breakdown. So if he can sort of stop the likes of Moriarty carrying and can just win us a bit of ball and slow down Wales' attack, then I think he's the key man. Alan, what do you reckon? I think Stuart McAnally. I think yeah. we sort of look back to when we had this discussion probably 12, 18 months ago, sort of the idea that sort of McAnally would be sort of the most important player for Scotland isn't probably something that uh-huh. um, sort of came to mind. But I think his performances in the autumn where he sort of stood up as a bit of a leader... And managed to nail down his line-out throwing, hmm. which is sort of a really big thing. Absolutely, yeah. I think set-piece is just going to be sort of so big. And it, and I think if we can nail that set-piece... And by nail, do you mean, like, just make sure we're not going backwards in the scrum? Make sure we're not going backwards <laughs> and make sure you just hit BBT front every BBT single time. BBT jumping at two yeah. all yeah. day. Yeah. BBT jumping at two. <laughs> Gordy Reed, John Welsh, boom, up. Wait <laughs> wait for the next scrum. Don't move. <laughs> then I think we've got enough to win. Yeah. It, my, my, my concern is we start screwing up in the line out. Scrum starts going backwards. Lee, Hef, Lee Halfpenny starts just banging them over. Goals. And actually very quickly you end up being sort of nine, 12 points behind. Yeah. I think if, if we lose, that's how we lose. I think we will just be ground into the... Ground. <laughs> That's gone well. Yeah. Um, and just kicking goals. It's this, the sort of formula we've seen Scotland lose to mm. time and time again when they come up against like England and Wales, just really buried up front and just giving away penalties for fun. For I think another really key person in that in that front um, in the pack, sorry, is Cornell Dupree, and I think it's all about getting that go forward. Now we've talked yeah. about you know the requirements at number eight. 
and how Ryan Wilson possibly doesn't meet those levels that we want of somebody to get us over the gain line. Hmm. Conor Dupree is showing touches of it um, for Scotland, touches of it for Edinburgh, and when he's at his top level, he's a really um, potent attacking threat, but can he reach those levels on Saturday? And if he's getting positive yards over the gain line, that's going to be really key. So, you know, without Richie Gray and Fraser Brown... So even Alex Dunbar, so you've even, not got the yeah, option yeah. of 10 or 9... You're you don't want to be putting your, huge owns up. Your carriers are... McAnally's going to have to do a hell of a lot of carrying. Yeah. Um, Johnny Gray will do his Johnny Gray type carrying. Yeah. Um, BBT... Oh, good enough carriers in the back five. Yeah. And McAnally. Okay, so those are our most important forwards. What about back in the back line then? Hard to look past Stuart Hogg? I was going to go for Finn Russell, to be honest. I think yeah. that Stuart Hogg, you know, he's he is very likely to play well. Um... Russell, you know, obviously can play well, but it, it's just, I think we need a bit of control in this game. And if he can take a kick by the scruff of the neck, and it's in, it'll be interesting to see him against Patchell because, you know, where Bigger might have the edge over Russell is his control of a game. Yeah. He's, he's a better Definitely. kicker out of hand and probably has better game management skills. Whereas Patchell is a bit more of a sort of loose, um, open runner. So I think that Russell is a better player than him. And it, it'll just be a really good test to see if he can actually control things. And I think if he can get the forwards around the park and then we know he can bring in the backs, then he'll be really crucial. Yeah. That, that combination with Price obviously goes without saying is going to be really um, interesting. There's, but if There's a small part of me that kind of wants Laidlaw in that back line. We oui, Greek. I know. Le petit I'm, general. Le petit general. <laughs> with that back line, you almost feel like you just need one old head running the show. And while yeah. I, I, look, I think Ali Price deserve, deserves his place, and obviously him and Finn Ross got a really good, um, really good sort of relationship. But there is something about if things aren't going to plan, and the fact that Hogg is way out of fullback, is there someone in that sort of nine to thirteen, yeah, who can sort of, yeah, right, this is happening. We're box kicking. We're slowing. Chris this Harris. Down. Chris Harris, <laughs> second cap. It's, it's, it's definitely Chris Harris, especially with Cornell Dupree at eight. Who, again, whilst we do like him, is relatively oh yeah inexperienced and kind have a mind fart. But this is can. where Russell needs to. You know, he's not a newbie anymore. He's had experience. Yeah. He's had caps. He's got to take control. This is it, and you've got to hope that he's learned from you know the lessons from Twickenham last year when he lost his head and other games which have been sort of thrown away by not having that control. Um, but I think I think Price will be massively key in that. Can he get the right mix of that super mm. quick um, ball that Townsend wants and the quick taps, but also that 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 sort of game planning that a nine needs to have of when you need to box kick, when you just mm. need to clear your lines, and when you just need to probe into the corners. Yeah, you, in see Finn Russell's interview at the weekend where he said that nine out of ten times he's in control of what's he's, he's he, I know he knows what's going on. <laughs> I think he's over-exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> I, I think seven or eight times out of ten. He knows, he knows exactly <laughs> he, he what knows he's doing. He knows exactly what's going on. And the rest of the time, he's just off the cuff. Let's see Chucking what happens. Around. <laughs> Which is good. Which but, is good. Um, yeah, no, I think it'd be good to see. If Finn Russell can sort of really n- control this game, I think it's just a really great platform sort of going into sort of the rest of the Six Nations. Yeah. Let's let's go back and have a look a little bit sort of side by side in the, the sort of key areas across the pitch. Um, on Saturday. We'll start with the front five. Am I being unfair to suggest that Scotland look a little bit lightweight up front? No, I think that's fair. I, I think second rows are fine. 
Um, yeah, oh, yeah, BBT and have Johnny Gray. And, or Gilchrist and Mate, Gray. two Lions in Wales second row. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Corey Hill. Oh, Corey Hill is Lions God, legend. he is so much better than Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray and Tulis are just going to graft and graft and graft all day. I don't see either of them like making huge breaks or silly offloads, but they will tackle and carry until the cows come home. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that our front row against Rob Evans, Ken Owens, Samson Lee, with Thomas Francis on the bench as well. Like, we'd even probably be quite keen to have Thomas Francis, and he's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Rob Evans and Ken Owens, I think they're all very good players, actually, particularly Ken Owens. But I, I, I don't feel bad about Stuart McAnally going up against Owens. It's just, it's a bit of an unknown quantity in the scrum. What's going to happen? It is going to be that first. Well, I I remember being at Murrayfield for the first game last year against Ireland. And that first scrum, we were in absolute reverse. We were all over the place. And that was Fagerson and Dow. But we still went on and found a way to win that game. Sort of managed to shore it up. Hmm. Yeah. Um, So hopefully we can find... (laughs) What I'm trying to say is hopefully we can find a a way to win on Saturday as well. And I think the thing as well is Ken Owens, Samson Lee, etc. Rob Evans. They're good players, but they're not... Ireland good. No. Yes. And we can come back to that when we're playing against Ireland. Yes. <laughs> um, but you're, qu- you're quite right. So I think, do, do you think Wales sort of edge us in that sort of front five battle? Yes. But, yeah. that, but that's not the biggest pack, if we include the back row. That's not the biggest pack that Wales could have picked. It's not the pack that they would pick if they were just going to try and grind Scotland down. Yeah, and I, I think that's actually what's a little bit surprising. Yeah. And it's been a bit surprising across the the backs as well is it's not a Wales team set up to play Gatlin ball play Gatlin ball absolutely which hopefully means it's going to be a great game yeah because um, I think you're right I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more conservative and maybe he was sort of forced into doing this a little bit with just how many injuries they had yeah definitely but I I thought at Millennium Stadium first game up slightly young Scotland team just Gatlin ball, let's bully them and let's try and just eke out a win, but no. What, what do you make of the, the, the matchups in the back row, Matt? I think we win two out of three. Where are we losing? I think Moriarty is just better. Well, Moriarty is probably more of a six than an eight, to be fair, but I think he's better than Cornell Dupree. But I think that I, I Barkley think... and Watson are better than Navidi and Shingler, who, to be fair, are both two very good players. But I mean, Barkley and Watson made an absolute mockery of the Wales back row last year at Murrayfield. It was... Yeah, which was Faletau and Warburton. Faletau and Warbs. And Moriarty. It's because Warbs doesn't actually go into rucks. That's <laughs> a completely separate argument. But I, I think I agree with you. I think we've probably got it. I would... If someone offered me Moriarty in a Scotland 8 jersey tomorrow, I would probably take it. Mm. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to be cool. Yeah, I, mean, I would obviously take that. Uh, okay, so into the back line, halfbacks, some really interesting matchups. We've touched on it, sort of Finn versus Patchell. What about Gareth Davis and uh, Ali Price? Well, I mean, Gareth Davis is still probably a little better than Ali Price mm-hmm. in terms of, especially that big game. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Yeah. Level. I mean, I was just trying to remember, actually, last year, Ali Price was behind Laidlaw in the Six Nations. Yep. Until... Laidlaw got injured against France. And this is sort of the first kind of tournament where Ali Price has, on merit, been starting ahead of Laidlaw. Yep. So, again, I think that's just an interesting dynamic for him, you know. He's probably been... He is now the sort of 
numero uno, mm. scrum half, and let's just see what he can do. Because I think even in the last Six Nations, you can see he's got moments where he can make the wrong decisions. Yeah. But it'd be quite interesting, though, because him and Gareth Davies are pretty similar players, and their strengths are their running game. Yeah, sort of the open. I, you know, I think the price of his box kick is actually pretty good, but it's not what he's known for, and it's probably the same with Davies. So, yeah, it'd be just interesting to see the kind of the tactical battle there. And I don't think we should underestimate Patchell. No, I think Patchell's a very good player. Yeah. And I think he has he, been playing an awful yeah. lot of his rugby at fullback, though. Yeah. So to come in from a lot of your rugby at fullback to starting six nations at 10, that is a huge ask, no matter mm. how talented the lad is. Yeah. Um, we've already covered off the centers in quite a lot of detail. Nothing more to really add there. How do you think it will match up against the Welsh lads there? You know, again, you, you look at Scott Williams versus Chris Harris, and you're going to say you pick Scott Williams. Yeah. Yeah, straight yeah, up. You would. Yeah, and while sort of twelve and twelve, Hayden Parks a good player. I, Hadley Parks. Hadley Parks. <laughs> <laughs> I like you made up Hayden though. It's oh, a weird name. Hayden, Hayden Parks. Parks. Um, Hadley. <laughs> calling him Hayden now. Hadley Parks is a twelve and has played all his rugby at twelve. Yes. So, yeah, that's quite two big lads as well. You wouldn't say Jones or Harris are sort of. Big, are they? Big physical specimens. Do you think they're going to try and use McGuigan and Seymour off the wings to hit it up if needed? In terms of, they probably give you, obviously Glasgow use Seymour for that. McGuigan is a pretty big McGuigan's guy. a big bloke. And if you remember... I wouldn't, someone... I wouldn't use them as like Bosch-up merchants though. I'd rather be putting them in space. Yeah. But Particularly in so- Seymour. At some point, yeah, you're going yeah, to just sure. have to hit up. Yeah, McGuigan yeah. can handle himself. In, if you remember some of the carries he made against Australia, yeah, he yeah. made some really no, big um, physical contributions. So I think that's definitely an option and a lovely segue into our final discussion point the back uh, the back three um obviously hog seymour and mcguigan up against um the new um adams from worcester steph evans and lee halfpenny who do you think has got the edge there us surely yes it's got to be us hog is so much better than lee halfpenny <laughs> it, is a, it is a joke blair kinghorn's better than lee halfpenny <laughs> yeah he is he, is. he genuinely is is rue jackson better than halfpenny rue jackson is multiple times better than lee halfpenny <laughs> Greek right. Tonks. Greek Tonks is slightly worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> but not miles away. By not miles away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is it. Yeah. Like, he is rapidly declining. However, I think the one thing that he does offer is just that laser. Anywhere within yeah. the Scotland 10-meter line is three points to Wales. Mm. Yeah. But I think Finn Russell is getting close to that. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, his stats to be have been fair. pretty his sick. His stats have been unbelievable this year in terms of... And a lot in sort of at the side in quite high-pressure... Yeah. environments um but yeah i think hog seymour and mcguigan all possibly can take take on their man sort of one-on-one i think so i think you maybe maybe a case of putting steph evans in ahead of mcguigan but that's it's pretty marginal that's pretty marginal yeah i think yeah if you look at mcguigan's performance man of the match against australia oh, exactly. he's absolutely earned his place in that scotland team i don't know about you lads i'm super excited alan you're going Oh I'm, so, oh, I'm so excited. Making the trip down? I am making the trip down. How how many yeah. cans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many cans? Four pints a half? Four pints a half. Depends I... on how well Scotland are doing. <laughs> the last time I went to the Millennium Stadium was when um, Stuart Hogg went off, yeah, got red-carded we after... I was sat next to you. Oh, yeah, really so you were. Well, it was a good weekend. It was, it was a really, really bad good weekend. Sort of like it was hour and a half in the middle of it. Yeah. It was uh, really bad. Annoying 2.15 kick-off. 
just for me in terms of planning my sort of day in terms of <laughs> the turn to interior turns, yeah. turns it into a hell of a long day yeah it's a long old day like yeah yeah so you might lose well it. well i'm 100 percent passing out after my so if you're following us on twitter on saturday and there's anything uh past sort of three o'clock it looks a bit suspect that Mate, is vog- vodka revs by the castle oh my <laughs> lord it's gonna be an- something else be another fire alarm and they're going to see the pattern <laughs> <laughs> so that will be on quickly should we do um we've got the sean lamont quiz haven't we it's not a sean lamont quiz. it's not a sean lamont quiz. Are we gonna do the sean, um we yes do at the end, or let's close with our predictions okay. let's do a little okay. very quick quiz and then we'll have a predictions yeah. and then we'll let everyone let's get rattle off. through the quiz let's go for it alan okay cool right in 2010 yeah. And Scotland played Wales. Two Scotland players were sin-binned. Who were they? Uh, touched on by Sean in his... One was touched, one was on, touched by on by Sean. Sean. Annoyingly. In his... Oh, I think I know it. Um, I'm not sure that I do, but... Move on, I'll, I'll get... Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. Five players in this in this 23s were playing in that 2010 game. So five players what? from Scotland and Wales. Ooh. Five players. From the 2010 squads will be playing, are okay. playing in the 2018 game. That is quite mad, isn't it? And that excludes Richie Gray and Sam Warburton, who both came off the bench in 2010. Did they? For that game. Randomly. That is mad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Stop looking at the team, mate. I'm looking at the team. Just remi- <laughs> reminding myself of who's old. <laughs> That's hard. Um, okay. Right. I've got three at least. Without looking at the teams, Fine. no one look at the teams. How many Glasgow players will be starting? Uh, will be starting? Will be starting. Okay. And then on the same thing, how many Scarlets players will be starting? Okay. And then um, my... Wait, I mean, Scarlet's will be starting. Yeah. Uh, that's quite tough. And then I want you to name me what five Scotland players okay, five Scotland have players. had the most six slash five nations caps of all time. What, five players? There's five, the top five okay. Scotland players... With five and six nations caps. Um, okay. I'll tell you the top one is 55. 55. 55 caps. 53 caps from someone that we spoke to today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that might be the case. And then th- three other players 45, 43, 43. Wow. Who's had that sort of longevity? That is. Uh... Quite interesting. I think I've definitely got three. Yeah, me too. Okay, should right. we start back at the top? Back at the top. Who were the two players that got sinbinned in that 2010 game? Scott Lawson. Yeah, 74th minute, Scott Lawson. <laughs> Phil Godman. Phil Godman in the eighth. Friend of the pod. In the Phil 80th Godman. minute, Phil Godman got oh my sinbinned. God. I only got Scott Lawson, so. That's fair. What five players. In the squads in 2018, we're in the squads in 2010. I can give you my three that I've actually written down. Barkley, Lawson, Alan Wynne-Jones. Yes, 
All there. All there. Those are the three that I've got written down. So, Matt? I had Wynn Jones. forgot about Lawson. Well, forgot about Lawson. Wynn Jones, Barkley, Welsh, Laidlaw. No so, Laidlaw. Hanny's got two, and you've got three. Oh, very happy with that. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure I know any more than that. Gordy Reid? The two missing halfpenny. Ah. Oh, of course. And Bradley Davis. Uh, yeah. Uh, He's on the bench. Both well. Bradley Davis on the bench. So Fair play. Four, That's three four, all. Four all. Three all. I got three and one in the first round, so I'm on four. And, and you, you got, got two. Oh, two. two. Oh, sorry, 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 yeah. Four all. Right. Five players have had the most Six Nations slash Five Nations count. Wait, wait, you, yeah, missed, you've, you missed you've, out. You've missed a question. Oh. Glasgow and Scarlet. How many Scarlet's? Glasgow players are playing? Seven. Five. It is six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who have I counted then? Um, Johnny Gray. Oh, I missed out Hugh Jones, you bastard. One forward, five backs. Yep. Fair enough. I think I've got the Scarlet's one. How, Dave, how many Scarlet's players you got? Nine. Ten. It is 11. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, closest. 10 Welsh what? players and John Barkley. We don't get a point. Oh, oh you bastard. Oh. <laughs> oh. He's absolutely done you with that. And me, obviously. Oh, it's closest. So I get no, a point. it's you four all. Get a point. Four Bullshit. all. Got to keep it accurate here. Right. Five players, top appearances in the five slash six nations. Let's go alternate. Davos, who have you got? Chris Patterson. Chris Patterson, 53 caps. I also have that. In the Six Nations, fine. Hanny? Ross Ford. Ross Ford, 55 caps. Ooh, that is good. I didn't have that. You didn't have Ross Ford. <laughs> I've only... The, I've... The, the record cap holder for okay. Scotland. Fine. All right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not proud of it, but I don't right. have it. 6-5 <laughs> to Hanny. What have you got? Sean Lamont. Sean Lamont is there. It's actually 45. Also Sean Lamont. 7-6. Mike Blair. Mike Blair was six. Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> with no 39 way. caps. Bastard. Who was around? I'm now off. It's seven six. I haven't got anything written down, so I'm now just going off the top of my head. So, how about someone like Chris Custer? No. So low. Alan no. Jacobson. No. Ah. You got f- five seconds for a guess. It was clear. Yeah, it was. He likes to coach. Gregor Townsend? Oh! <laughs> yeah, 43. And then the final one, I've got a bonus round quiz, which is quite exciting. Okay. Um, is Scott Murray. Oh, really? Ah. Yeah, with 43 caps. Well, we're on 7 all, so... 7 all. The decider. So I had to look at quite a lot of these players, and I could get their 5 slash 6 nations winning percentage. Okay. <laughs> and out of those players, interestingly, the player with the worst winning percentage was Mike Blair. Mm. Okay. What do you think Mike Blair's winning six nations? Scotland's six nations winning percentage. Right, was. You write down your number. You can I'm, write. Ju- I'm just going to guess it. So <laughs> yeah, I yeah, don't okay. need to write it down. Okay. I'm, I'll say it out loud. When you go. I think it is 29%. I got 27. It's 23%. Oh, oh closest. <laughs> Oh, How bad word. is that? 23%. It's nearly one in five? I did Too feel bad when we were talking to Sean Lamont earlier and he was just like, you know, it's really bad when you lose for your country. And I was like, what that. is your win percentage? His win percentage was 25.6. <laughs> <laughs> so 75% of the time he played for Scotland, he was wow. like going to like depression. <laughs> 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 well, thanks a lot, Alan, for that. Is that a draw or did you win that, Matt? I won that. 
Okay. Just technicalities, I suppose. Right, let's wrap this up. Alan, I'm coming to you. Prediction for Saturday. Um, Scotland to win by eight. Chris Harris to score a try. Very good prediction. And how many pints? (laughs) How many pints in the Millennium Stadium? I'm going to have 12. I'm going to tell my girlfriend eight. <laughs> you know, 12 in the Millennium Stadium. Oh, not in the Millennium Stadium. <laughs> o- over the whole day. Over the whole day. It's a long Matt. day. Um, I think Wales will win by nine. Ooh, Wales by nine. Yeah, I'm I'm worried. And I'm going trying to go into it with low expectations so I can enjoy it more. Fair enough. Uh, I think Scotland are going to win it very high scoring, but very tight. They're going to win by three. And um, Gordon Reid's going to score a try. <laughs> if you'll believe it, Gordy. I believe it. Did score a try on his last day yeah, against England. Against that's, England. That's true. So he's on form for that. Right, so, well, that is it. That is our um, Scotland versus Well preview episode. Um, thanks a lot for joining us, guys. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, please get on there. Give us a review, five stars, of course, and we'll read it out on the pod next week. Um, following us on Twitter, at Thistle Rugby Pod, we will be live tweeting the game, so get on there. On Instagram, at Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod. Um, and uh, we will speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Come on, Scotland. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.